and welcome back to another edition of the Three Point Sportscast with John Gustin. And joining me today is a mainstay from Detroit Bad Boys. He breaks down all the film. It is incredibly impressive, especially if you're trying to get insight into the players or their quirks, the best and the worst of everybody. But the incredible details that Mike Snyder is able to break down with his coverage and everything else is fantastic and who better to talk with about a very clogged up rotation uh, we're going to be talking shooting guards today the second in our five-part series going on position by position and breaking down who's going to play where what the best fit is and if someone's uh maybe going to be not long for detroit and then also we got some news too there's a new signing a former high draft pick i mean if this team was it's currently assembled in what 2010 2009 we'd be ecstatic but anyways <laughs> Without any more rambling, Mike Snyder. Mike, thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. Yeah, absolutely. That was a heck of an introduction. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, excited to talk to you about uh, Pistons Hoops. Whenever you're ready, let's go. All right, well, let's dive right in. The shooting guard rotation as it looks right now, as everyone's projecting it, and by everyone, I'm just kind of general consensus, would might be a better term. It's going to be Bruce Brown, then Luke Kennard, yep. then Langston Galloway, maybe, Kyrie Thompson, and then it kind of, I mean, Svi could maybe even play some too as well. So there's a lot of different ways this can go. First off, when you're thinking Pistons shooting guard minutes, what do you think it's looking like just initially? That's that's a great question. Um, well, it depends on who's starting. Um, obviously, last year, Bruce Brown had uh, put his name into the hat that nobody saw coming. Um, I, didn't, I certainly didn't see that coming. I honestly didn't know who he was until maybe... 30 games into the season, but he certainly made a name for himself. Um, obviously, the other starter could be Luke Kennard. It really just depends on which way Casey wants to go. Uh, it's an obvious mismatch offense for defense. Um, as far as his minute totals, um, personally, I would like to see uh, Luke somewhere around that 24-28, uh, uh, Bruce around that 20-24, uh, to 24, uh, and then Langston Galloway filling in. Uh, wherever he can. So that kind of follows the traditional logic. So you you believe that uh, Brown should go over Kennard, or at least that's the way Casey sees it. Is that something that's viable long-term, especially if part, part of Detroit's issues over the years has been you know spacing in the lineups, especially to give Drummond space to operate? Van Gundy really pushed for a four-out, one-in offense. Uh, Especially the, the signings there kind of reflected the idea to try to at least get shooting. John Ward didn't necessarily work out that way due to injuries and other issues. But uh, that was the philosophy. And now with Blake Griffin, too, who has both an inside and really showed an outside game last season, uh, shooting does seem to be beneficial. Brown, he did get a triple or average, I think, a triple-double <laughs> for Summer League. But, I, I mean, I could also say the same thing about Russell Westbrook as a triple-double machine, but maybe wouldn't be the best guy to pair next to, you know, Blake Griffin, Drummond, and Jackson. Where do you value kind of the defense versus the spacing? Uh, so Bruce Brown is that um, he's that rare, uh, obviously, exception to the standard NBA uh, where 95% of the, the NBA has problems with defense. Um, so a guy like Luke Kennard, um, Langston Galloway, they, they all somewhere, somewhere along the way, uh, they have problems with defense. Um, and, and Bruce Brown is that obviously that opposite. He's part of that maybe 5 or 10%. Uh, where he has the defense uh, part covered and obviously shortcomings on offense. Uh, as far as where it's valued, it really just depends on the team, depends on the personnel. 
uh, for us, uh, I would like to see um, Bruce start uh, with this uh, with this with this group, uh, mainly because uh, Blake Griffin's a ball handler, um, Reggie Jackson's a ball handler, so I think it kind of fits in more uh, with that personnel. Um, as far as his lack of shooting, uh, what he does well um, to kind of offset that is he he moves extremely well without the ball. Um, and again, it's kind of that rare uh, commodity in the NBA, it seems, uh, that know how uh, to move without the ball, when to go, where to go, um, how to read the offense. And that's that's unique in its own in its own way. It's it's um, it's a skill. It's definitely a skill that's not. Um, uh, it's not shared by a lot of people and that uh, that could fit in that kind of lifestyle that moving without the ball lifestyle, uh, I think plays more of a fit to the Blake and or fits better with Blake and Reggie um, as opposed to as opposed to Luke. And so where do you think his potential is as a player on the Pistons? Well, that's the million dollar question. So that comes down to development and that's going to be a Dwayne Casey issue. I think you look back at the past 10 Geez, I don't know. When's the last person that somebody developed uh, in Detroit actually happened? Um, Tayshawn Prince, maybe? Um, so th- that whole development scene, that's where Dwayne Casey has to come in. It, it really depends on how much emphasis they put on developing him. Um, because, again, in the past, it hasn't happened. So this is a huge issue that the Pistons have to answer. Uh it, as far as his skill set, uh, like I said, uh, the defense is obviously there. He's got to get better shooting. He's got to get better at playmaking. But that's all something uh, that I think he can do. Um, so the question becomes, does he want it bad enough? You know, all those intangible type things. Now, the defense was pretty impressive, especially when you have a you know a rookie coming in and checking James Harden. I think we can all point to that as a moment and just be blown away that a guy comes in and it's not anything like you know, a young bull where the guy's actually awful for about two thirds of the year uh, right. out in Cleveland. It's it's a kid who's coming in and he's competing at a high level. However, his shooting wasn't even there in summer league, and so some people will be saying you know Kennard is shown he's one of the best shooters. Um, and the Pistons have had in a long time, and probably one of the top shooters in the NBA just by percentage. Where yeah, are you, no, what do you say to that? I 100% agreed. So then you have to look at where does he fit best, though. So he might be one of the best shooters. He might be, uh, you know, one of the top premier ball handlers. However you want to categorize him, that can all be true, but you still have to ask yourself where does he best fit on this team in, uh, you know, for the 2019-20 season. And for now, uh, as long as Reggie Jackson, uh, who did play well off the ball last year, but as long as Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin are both starting, uh, I think the better fit would be a defense guy. Now, this is something that I brought up that, or sorry, that I found, and it just blew me away. So I, I went on NBA Advanced Stance for last year, lineups, and looking into regular season for 2018, minimum of 60 minutes played together, including the big three for Detroit, and not quite the big three we're hoping, but still better than Josh Smith as a part of the big three. So uh, Griffin, Drummond, Jackson, and then Ellington with Kennard had a net rating of 39.2, an offensive rating of 130, defensive rating of 91. Now they only played 68 minutes together, but that was pretty darn good. The next best actually then had Galloway in there, and that was a plus 20. And then if we go down uh, more common minutes played together, 
Really, really looking good. So 300 minutes played together, plus 14, 114 offensive, 100 defensive was Reggie Bullock with Brown. And I think we could all agree that maybe Snell is a bit more of a a more well-rounded player. Not by much, but probably a little bit more available than Bullock. Then from there, uh, plus three was Jackson, uh, was Brown with Ellington instead of Bullock. And that uh, 110 to 107. And then when it took a real nosedive, so if we're going to go to uh, Brown and Kennard together, was negative 28 in 65 minutes. So it's really interesting that these guys played really well with the third guard. Galloway actually worked very well with both uh, Kennard and worked well with Brown in terms of just overall numbers. But when you put both these young guys together, somehow they were kryptonite. <laughs> that's, that's that's a good find. Um as far as answering that, jeez, uh, who knows? Um, I think that's a lot of a lot of to do with uh, being young. Uh, Luke was in his second year last year. Obviously, Bruce is was a rookie, so that probably plays a lot to do with it. But uh, uh, those numbers, I mean, that, that you don't paint a, a pretty picture with those two uh, uh, on the sa- uh, on the court at the same time. Yeah, it's not pretty, but somehow, I mean, both guys did do well, and they did show that they could viably contribute to a, a well-performing offense with a good defense either way. So it doesn't really say that either guy um, right. is terrible at defense, especially, you know, you just have a healthy starting lineup, which uh, also can then dispel a little bit, too, to Jackson's defense. Um, I mean, which is more he tries, but it's not, you know, he's not a complete turnstile, which is something. And <laughs> from there, you just kind of look. And then one part that I'm really hoping that allows everybody to shine is the margins around the edges have been drastically improved. And Markeith Morris coming in, you have a, hopefully a healthy Derrick Rose, which was, I think, a top 20 player uh, in terms of player impact rating and one of the top 15 point guards just going off of advanced metrics last year. The numbers really liked Rose last year, so that'll be exciting to see. And, and uh, hopefully that gives guys uh, space to flourish. So Galloway, by just the numbers I've seen, he works well as the third guard out there which which might impact things more in the small forward, and we'll get to that next week discussing it. But Galloway's fit, because you know he is an expiring contract, the numbers do really like him, and Casey did seem to really rely on him, too, coming off the bench. Where does he kind of stand in this roster? <laughs> uh, that's, again, that's, that's a great question. Um, what I want to see is kind of what he did uh, at the beginning of the year last year, where he just kind of... Um, Picked and picked his spots um, uh, on where to go, um, on, or Casey picked his spots on when to use them, I should say. Um, and I don't think you should expect anything more uh, coming into this year. The focus should be 100% uh, developing Luke and Bruce. Uh, if Langston uh, takes any minutes away from those guys, I just why would you do that? I don't see I don't see the point of that. That's um, not to take anything away from Langston. I mean he he's he tries really hard. He seems like a really good dude uh, off the court. He seems great and everything all that and all that. But uh, as far as a role on this team, um, unless somebody goes down, unless uh, uh, unless uh, you know there's a real cause for an emergency third guard or fourth guard, I, I really don't know why he would be on the floor. You don't see him playing over Seku, or we, all right. We're, let's just break into it for a moment. So then the backup small forward that's going to be a question here because it's not going to be Markeith Morris um, he's not his twin brother he's slightly taller just doesn't have that style of game uh Seku very raw rookie um 
very young, at least allegedly. There's some, I think, questions coming up about what his actual age is, but we'll, we'll go with it now. We got Thonmaker, Saku, just international man's a mystery. Right. Where, where does the, the three position then look? Is Casey would using a three guard rotation be more beneficial than uh, a raw rookie uh, who maybe should be seasoned in Grand Rapids? Yeah, I, I, I have zero. First of all, I have zero expectations for the rookie coming, uh, coming to Detroit. Uh, if he, if he logs a single minute in the a single meaningful minute next year, I will be shocked. Uh, I just, I, I just don't see him breaking the rotation at all. Um, with that said, as far as, um, you know, who, why is Langston out and everything, uh, I think it's, as far as filling out a lineup, it's more of um, a lot of it is, is skill set and roles as opposed to positions. So it's more of, a, you know, point guard wings and, and bigs. Um, and I think that's where, uh, that's where Casey's going to go uh, more instead of uh, traditional trying to fill uh, any kind of singular role. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think you got all kinds of um, uh, people that could step into the into these roles and into these positions, and it's it's including Tony Snell, um, how he plays into it. Um, that's going to be big. So if we're looking at, we got now a couple of other younger guys here too. Uh, then you got Kyrie Thomas, and then Stephen Holguk. I'm just going to rush through the name. I need to get an official pronouncer on that. <laughs> it, 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 there's going to be quite the international language and uh, uh, use of uh, <laughs> uh, consonants uh, over development for Pistons fans. So that'll be good. We're all going to develop our language skills together. But where, where do you see some of the younger? So the, last year was a real youth movement in terms of just Brown getting right in there. He cemented himself. Now it doesn't leave a whole lot of else for development time at shooting guard. What's going to happen with kind of the back end of that position? Uh, again, um, hopefully the, the focus this year will be on development uh, as opposed to anything else. So that does leave uh, the door open. Um to kind of see what these guys got, um, how much room that does leave for uh, Kyrie Thomas or Svi or anybody like that. Uh, you know, it's to, it, that just depends on how much uh, focus exactly uh, Dwayne Casey wants to de- put towards development. Uh, again, I'm hoping it's a lot. Uh, so hopefully he does open the door for those guys. But um, uh, if the focus is more, um, you know, let's kind of win now type thing, um, those guys will probably spend a lot of time in Grand Rapids then. And that's not, that's not a bad thing either. That, uh, that works too. So just going to jump around here a little bit as everything's tied together. Uh, Grand Rapids, there's been some discussion of moving to Detroit. I know you said you kind of are more in that area. Uh, is that something that you'd be in favor of as a fan to have it be closer to Detroit? I think personally I like it because, because I'm in this part of the state. I'm more west. I like the ability to go down to Grand Rapids. It's more convenient because Detroit doesn't doesn't always make sense for me. But I also do understand from a logistical perspective, having young guys train at uh, sharing a facility with Oakland, uh, the University of Oakland, uh, that makes sense from a logistical perspective, but maybe isn't the best for fans across the state. So where do you kind of weigh in on that? Um, I, I'm pro player. So whatever is easiest for the player, whatever is easiest uh, for them to travel to, to train at, uh, whatever they want, that's what I'm agreeing with. Um, I think it is very cool that it is on the west side of the state for right now. So you kind of got that cross, um, you know, try to build up the popularity type thing uh, going on. So that's very cool. Um, 
but uh, I personally, uh, I'm very selfish though. So I would love to see the, the minor league team here. Um, you know, de- depending on the game times, uh, if they make it affordable, if they make it fun, if they make it worthwhile, um, I can see, you know, people getting behind it. Uh, it could be a good time. Now, also just going off of the philosophical track here, well, you said you're a very pro player. You've mentioned a lot about player development. There, there's kind of, it seems to be two tracks of thought, uh, and maybe the Pistons management are somehow right in the middle. First track is we've got Griffin. He's on a max contract. He is a legitimate superstar. A couple years have already ticked off the contract. Probably not going to re-sign him just considering his age. We should go all in while he's here. Otherwise, what was the point of trading for him? The other line is Detroit's cupboard has been so bare for so long. There's been so many miscues. We need to just kind of tear everything down and you know focus as much on developing. And now we do have you know, a significant number of young players who do show some potential and could be positive contributors on a good team at some point in time. Management right now is kind of doing both of that. They're not going all in and they're not going all out. They're still keeping everything. This year's moves around the margins, as we talked about bringing in Tim Frazier as a legitimate third point guard. I am so excited. I've never been so excited about a third point guard in my life, but Tim Frazier has brought that out of me of, oh my gosh, it's not Jose Calderon. Uh, God bless Steve Blake. It's not Steve Blake. We have somebody here. It's not Jameer Nelson. I'm just going to keep going off the list. It's so bad. The last point guard I remember that was pressed into service that wasn't absolutely awful was Bino Udrich. And the fact that the Pistons front office has me pining for the days of Bino Udrich is insane. But that's been handled. I think that's great for the team. There are moves here that show they are trying to compete, but it's not you know spending over the top. Where do you think that the what's the right way to do this? How do you handle having an all star, but also you know a team where you've got you know a guy who's so uh, basically as close to eighteen as he can possibly be, uh, incredibly raw. You've got multiple rookies under contract, but then you also have a superstar who's over thirty. Right. So yeah, there's two ways to look at this. You're either looking at this from the front office point of view or from the fans point of view. Uh, so the, from the front office pan, from the front office point of view, what they're going to do is they're going to try to build the best team around Blake uh, without committing to anything long term, without giving up assets, um, but trying to to compete right now the, the best they can um, while playing out the rest of his contract. Let all of these dumb contracts uh, you know expire so they can move on and have a fresh start. Um, so that's what they're doing, and that's what they're considering competing now. Where I think the mix-up comes up or comes from uh, is, is the fans' definition of competing now and winning now. Uh, you know, that means going all in, um, either all in or all out type of thing. Uh, and so I think there's this mix-up um, of, of definitions of what actually competing now means. So the Pistons think it's compete we, the best we can uh, without, you know, doing anything stupid. Uh, while the fans, I think it's more or less, you know, either do the process like Philadelphia or, you know, try to trade for Russell, Russell Rusbrook or, uh, you know, fill in the blank star and try to win with Blake uh, while you have the window. Um, Tom Gore's already said he's not going to trade anything and this is how we're doing it. So, I mean, that's that's what we're rolling with. So in that light, then do you think, because we're not trying to go all in, and Detroit's been, in theory, needing to be rebuilt for years. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, we, we saw this under Dumars. He tried to tool on the fly, and that went spectacularly. 
uh, I mean, there's the Chauncey, not sorry, not Chauncey, Charlie Villanueva. It's the headbands. Okay. It's totally the headbands and the haircut together. That's the of confusion. Uh, not not the skill set in any way. Um, Charlie Villanueva, Josh Smith, Brandon Jennings, who I will con- uh, contest that Brandon Jennings was pre-Steph Curry for that, what, 20 games before he tore his Achilles. <laughs> Brandon Jennings just is, is always going to be in my heart for 20 games. and He'll, he'll always get love here. There's so much, but and then their whole Kevin Durant with the Achilles. But anyways, not our issue. But this team, the issue does come down to that uh, youth movement is underway. But a draft pick was given up to get Griffin, who Shea Gilders Alexander wouldn't have looked too bad on this team. If we get to say hindsight and just kind of judging it, was going after Blake Griffin the wrong move? Uh no, and here's and here's why. Um, it's because so Blake, we all we can all agree that this that this team isn't good enough to win a championship. Um, but what he does do is he changes the the dynamic and the culture, uh, the environment, the atmosphere, everything, uh, all the all the stuff that that actually matters. He changes that just by his attitude, just by the way he conducts business. Uh, just by the way he he plays, um, obviously he makes mistakes and you know everything like that, but um, the way he cares about things that that matters. Uh, we didn't have that before. We haven't had it since really the going to work crew. Um, so you can trade for all these people. You can do for you can go for uh, you know home runs. You can go for the you know Philadelphia style process. But if the culture isn't there, if it's not right, none of that matters. So I think trading for Blake, even though it's his era, the Blake era won't end in a championship. Uh, I think if this gets turned around, people are going to look back and say, well, that's the obvious, that's that's where it started. That's where the real turnaround started. Now, in the hypothetical, uh, looking at this season, let's say Jackson is healthy. He can play in 65-plus games, 70 games for Griffin, because this team really does need Griffin, or else, as we saw in the playoffs, it's not pretty. Right. And hopefully Markeith is healthy again, too. So did uh, this whole whole team is, is the mash unit of if everybody's healthy this could be really good so let's say arnie canner's magic uh, rubbed off on when he came back for a small reunion tour the, there's magic in detroit and everyone's able to stay healthy because they're not out in colorado and, and you know climbing mountains or having fun in los angeles and uh you know twisting their ankle as they're skateboarding down um lovely boulevards instead they're in detroit they're stuck inside in the snow the snow cushions any fall, they're safe. If this breaks right, you've got a team where that competed really for a sixth seed until the last uh, two weeks of the season where they just couldn't win a game. They're sixth seed at best. Things have opened up a little bit more because Oladipo's injury, uh, who knows when he's going to come back. Uh, yep. The La- Raptors, they they took a step back, uh, significantly losing Kawhi Leonard. And then maybe, not maybe the Bucks, maybe probably not. Uh, they did lose Brogdon, who I think is really good, not great. Uh, the 76ers, they lost Jimmy Buckets. Um, there, There's a lot of question marks up in the air for the East. So I think if everything breaks, you know, this is maybe a sixth, five seed, super optimistically. Do you think that is there some level of if this is going well, coming the trade deadline, they're like, all right, this is looking like a good team. We need to make one move to go over the top. What do you think is the max price that the front office should be willing to pay to, let's say, land a guy like um, 
Drew Holiday or taking a step back, uh, Otto Porter, like that one maybe guy who's going to be a really solid contributor, um, but, you know, not going to be the superstar level. Ah, man, that's that's tough for me because I think that goes against what I think they're trying to do. Um, If they're going to if they're going to trade someone, if they're going to make a move at the deadline, uh, then it has to the team has to make a move into the next tier. Um, So it can't be a move to you know, go from the eighth seed to the sixth or fifth seed. Uh, it's it's got to be a move significant significant enough to move them up a tier, or or else why? What's the point? So if it's going to cost that much, if 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 a player is needed that significantly to to make that move, it's going to cost a lot. So I hope they don't go that route. Um, uh, if they did. Uh, Man, I, I, I really don't want to see him give up anything because I, I really hope they're hope building for uh, a, an actual payoff instead of you know like an Eastern Conference semifinals climax. I, I know it doesn't answer your question. No, but I, no, it, I hope they don't go that route. These are all philosophical. It's all discussion points. It's all <laughs> you, nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, one day Tom Gores might wake up and say, you know, he wants to sell the team. And other times, you know, he's he's like, we're in Detroit for life and we're in downtown Detroit for no reason because the palace was fantastic. Um, <laughs> and, and some people in the office still didn't know why the move was made. Um, but it, Detroit, it's downtown Detroit and it's right there with everything else. So that is uh, exciting for basketball to be directly into Detroit, um, especially if you can just walk around downtown Detroit. It is fantastic this time of year. And, you know, in... We're going to go into the spring. Let's say it's a nice spring day and the season went well and nothing crazy happened at the trade deadline. We're looking at this. Uh, Is Galloway going to be on the roster at the end of the year? Uh, I think if anybody is, if there's a number one target for someone not to be on the roster, I think he would be, you know, he's got to be at least number one or two on the list. Um, and again, uh, like I said, I feel really bad <laughs> talking about these guys like this because they all seem like good dudes and everything. But um, he's an expiring contract. Uh, if it, it just makes too much sense not to involve him in any in, in any kind of talks that would, uh, you know, help the team down the road. Fair enough. And then one other hypothetical, as we're we're just going on uh, way so many questions that have nothing to do with film, uh, but we'll get in film in just a moment. Uh, Drummond, big question, player option. Uh, do you think that it's either Drummond should take, we should make an extension, that if he declines an extension, he should be traded, and then um, next year, you know, let's say nothing turns out, they need a new contract, what's the price point for a guy like him if we're going long-term and developing? He's going to be, what, well, I think he's one week older than me, so that means he's going to be 26, max contract, puts him up for four or five years at the end of it, and, you know, that can be anywhere up of, you know, 30, 30 plus 40 million. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see that happening. Um, do you? Because I certainly don't. No, uh, I, especially I, with the market being set by, like, let's say, Brooke Lopez or uh, Vucevic, guys like that, especially Draymond Green, too, if we're talking about, like, maybe exactly. a small ball five. Yeah. $25 million a year to me kind of seems to be my uh, take it or leave it lying. I am 100% in agreement. Uh, I think he takes he takes his player option. Uh, was it twenty twenty eight million? Um, I think he takes it, and then um, he worries about it the next year. Um, 
but geez, anything over 25 is just like, whoa, I, I don't know about all that. Going back into the, so then the, that's the hypotheticals there that impacts a couple different parts. Then, you know, money impacts too, because in the more, if Drummond declines it, then money could be spent on a barren cover to free agency, which the best player I see right now in free agency for next year is maybe Fred Van Vliet, um, which <laughs> is incredible. So youth development and draft picks probably going to be the name of the game for a bit. We're yep. looking at the development of guys. Bruce Brown, you saw Summer League. He's done a lot of different unique tricks. The ball handling's developed, too, and that was something that was hoped that maybe he could be a, maybe a backup point guard down the road, maybe even a third option over Tim Frazier. When you've been studying his film, what really jumps out to you about Bruce Brown? Uh, well, again, you probably go back to the defensive side of the ball. It's, it's more of his switchability. Uh, I think that he can kind of slide with any one, any, as we've seen, like you mentioned before with James Harden, uh, with Dame Lillard. Uh, he, can, he can play with those guys. He can take the bumps from the, the, the bigger threes and even some of the smaller fours of the league. Um, so his, his versatility, his switchability on defense is just, especially the way the league is trending, it's just – uh, it's invaluable right now. It's something that the Pistons desperately need. Uh, and again, it comes back to development. They need to hit on this guy because he's that important um, or he holds a, a skill set that could be theoretically that important uh, you know, to know where basketball is going. And if we can lock down a guy like that for the next four or five, six years, um, that's a huge part of the puzzle. Now, part of that puzzle too is going to be a shooting and that's been always a, a, a question mark and I say always because it's been all of one season with Detroit summer league I think three of ten his form doesn't look bad but he definitely is not looking to shoot college he was a 26 percent and then a 34 percent guy so he's never been a huge three-point shooter uh, his free throws are solid enough at 74 percent in college as well it looks like there's there's something there but it's not quite put together from what you've seen, do you think that Brown will develop a three-point shot, at least maybe on his rookie contract? <laughs> okay, you can't hold me to this. Um, but I think it comes down to, to work ethic, and that that's the part, that's the intangible part that, you know, favors uh, a guy like Bruce Brown, somebody with that, you know, cliche chip on his shoulder uh, who wants to prove people wrong, who wants to do that. Uh, so you have that part of it locked down and then you have to ask yourself, well, does he have the tools to do it? Um, and by all means, he seems athletic enough. He seems to, you know, have the coordination and everything to, uh, to get it down. It just more, it's just, you got to get those reps in. you got to build that, uh, you know, whatever they do muscle memory, however it is, you got to get those reps in. Uh, so it's a question of, does he do it? Um, and then he, he only he can answer that. So that covers the Bruce Brown section of this uh, performance. Uh, going to Kennard, and then the other big shooting guard prospect on the team, looking at him, a lot of people have made comparisons to Manu Ginobili in terms of you know, a little bit of ball handling, the shooting, the craftiness. Now, obviously, he's not the same level of player at this point in time, but, you know, that's not a terrible comparison for what he is, especially, you know, if he's coming off the bench, too. That's It's an interesting comparison. When you're looking at Kennard, what jumps out at you uh, off the film? Uh, as you said, he's an incredibly skilled player. One of my favorite, favorite parts about Luke Kennard is the ability to use his offhand. So he's a southpaw, he's a lefty, um, but he can finish uh, as good as, you know, relatively as you would want somebody to do at the, at the pro level. 
uh, with his offhand. And it's just, it's incredible to see because he's got his, um, his drives to the hoop where he, the up and unders, the, the sh- where he shows the ball and everything. So uh, his ability to, to use and finish uh, with both hands, it, it just pops out at you. Um, again, he's, he's, He's smart. He reads the floor well. He reads the flow of the game. He knows when to, uh, as far as the offensive side, he knows when to, you know, slide with the pick and roll. He knows when to um, uh, balance the floor when when a shot goes up. Uh, he's a smart player. Uh, we knew that. Uh, that's definitely shown. Uh, we just need him to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit uh, more look for his own shot. Um, and I think everything else just falls into place. And regardless of who's playing or starting, both these guys show that they can contribute. And I do like the look of an aggressive uh, canard on this team, especially with every, if everyone takes a step forward, with Tony Snell being there, uh, the stats with Robinson are, are just negative 20 across the board. It's basically Robinson and Johnson weren't great just for a variety of reasons. And I think Snell can be, you know, serviceable, which is saying something. And I think Kennard can maybe do well in that role. And then I also really do like the idea, too, of a second unit or just playing minutes with Rose. Brown kind of, you know, covers the defensive um, gaping hole that is Derrick Rose, but also provides a second playmaker. And I think that these guys, just because their skill sets, they're not just one-faceted guys, that they can fit kind of across the roster in multiple different ways, that it's going to be fun to watch, which it is hopeful to say that, you know, it's nice to say that a Detroit team is going to be fun to watch in 2019. I, I'm 100% agree with you. Um, I think that if, if you look at this realistically, and, and again, I come back to it, we all know this team's not going to win the championship. Um, so you have to take a step back. Um, okay, if they're not going to do that, then what realistically can we root for? Uh, and the development of, of Luke, uh, of Bruce, of... Um, uh, I'm not even trying to pronounce his name, the the rookie draft pick. Um, that that stuff matters, and it's it it's not going to pay off in the it may not pay off in in the Blake era, um, but that stuff matters. So it's you know for me that's what I enjoy watching. I've written off championship for the next couple of years, and I'm cool with that because it's I I wouldn't expect it. So that's what I'm rooting for. That's what I'm looking for. Now, something that is a little bit head-scratching, and no one's quite know how it's going to work out to be watching, Michael Beasley. He's been signed to a non-guarantee contract, but it's really interesting because this now puts Detroit at 16. So we don't... I'm I'm, One part that I want to kind of calm everyone down about is there's the idea of the luxury tax. And the luxury tax is real, but you don't have to worry about that till the end of the season. It's not something that is imposed from day one, uh, you know, preseason, any of that, halfway through the season... It's at the end of the season uh, where you're at, you need to be at a certain floor or a certain level, and then you pay out. And if we're thinking, you know, Galloway's going to get moved maybe at some point, very easy to see him going somewhere for, you know, an expiring contract, take back $5 million, There you go. Quite quite easily covers everything. Not a problem. However, the old, whole issue does come down to there is one too many bodies right now. And that comes down to, you know, there's a lot of shooting guards. And then Christian Wood was just claimed off of waivers. 6'10 guy who really, really had incredible stats with the Pelicans in 20 games. And that's something that that is credible. I mean, it's not the most in the world, but it's a guy who has shown high-level production on an NBA team. It might have been a terrible NBA team, but it is something. I really do like the idea of Christian Wood over Thon McCour, or Maker. However you would like to go with the last name. Uh, I think he's a Thon, the Thon memes are incredible on Reddit. 
and he he's really enthusiastic. But I also don't think that Thon is a great defensive player. He doesn't really shoot. He the numbers with him and Griffin on the floor are atrocious together. I just don't think Thon. If we're we're doing this weird work of let's say hey we, maybe we get a good Michael Beasley, and you know you get him spot minutes at the three or something, a little bit at the four, some whatever is happening there. You get a good engaged Michael Beasley where it was you know two years ago. That, Lakers doesn't count for anybody. Lakers are were, were terrible last year for, for so many things. We get a good Michael Beasley. Where do you think this breaks? A, a, a serviceable Michael Beasley, a Thon Maker, a Kyrie Thomas. Uh, who's not going to be there come uh, October? Uh, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Mike Beasley. Um, hopefully, again, going back to the development thing, harping on that, if, if they're not given and I'm with you on Thon Maker. I think he tries really hard and everything like that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's just not there, at least not right now. Um, but you still got to give him a chance. You got to, you, you've already invested this much into him. Um, we know uh, the ceiling uh, of Mike Beasley. So we have an idea of what he brings to the table. Um, so you have to, if you have these, you know, laugh and call them assets, but uh, if you have guys like, um, uh, Thon Maker, who who aren't fully developed yet, uh, you got to you got to see where that goes. Uh, so hopefully, you know they stick to their guns and stay with with the young guys as opposed to um, keeping Beasley on, uh, who is serviceable. He's a good player. He's a scorer. Uh, he belongs in the league. He definitely can play. Um, but the fit, uh, the role of what he would do, uh, I don't think it would outweigh what we actually need to be done. Yeah, Beasley is interesting because don't include last year because because that's an outlier on many many reasons, but yeah, you know, he was a thirty four point nine uh, three point shooter. The Milwaukee and the New York is thirty nine forty one percent, so he can definitely shoot the ball, uh, averaging nine and thirteen in very limited minutes. And then just going down, I mean, looking better from a advanced numbers standpoint. Then Carmelo, who who some people have, have uttered, yeah, 56%, 58% true shooting. I mean, positive true shooting is always nice on this team. Uh, positive offensive and defensive win share. I mean, that's incredible considering he was on the Knicks. Um, that's that's saying something for Beasley on this roster if you're looking for a play-now player. Uh, however, yeah. you know, defensive win share also put Carmelo in a positive stand, a light, too, when he was with OKC and New York. So... Take that with a pinch of salt. Um, but his true shooting was, uh, yeah, uh, around 500. So there, there, that's the argument there. We're looking at that. So uh, you think Christian Wood's going to be on the roster? Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, again, it comes back to let, let's see what these guys got. Uh, we know what a lot of these players, as far as like the Beasley types, got. Let's see what these other players have, and then we can make a, a, an educated decision. Uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, giving minutes where they shouldn't be uh, thrown at. I have to say, from one person who communicated to another over social media, hearing the words educated decision and rational and patience <laughs> in, in this day and age, especially um, when what you can see on Facebook, especially like, let's say, comment sections for news things or local news and uh, it's very refreshing, and hopefully that you know this front office, after some highly questionable decisions where you're uh, shipping out a pick to get rid of Ben Gordon and being impatient, that that things kind of gel together. So uh, before I let you go, you've watched you know what would you say easily over 100 hours of film uh, it, in, in a season? 
it's way too much. Yeah, so way I'm too dead. much. What would you say in this current iteration of the team, what have been the best, what was the best thing you've ever seen to come out on film, and what's the worst thing you've seen to come out on film? Holy, like a, like a, a theme or a singular play? See, a singular singular thing that, you, uh, a trait that, like, uh, or unknown thing that, like, uh, Reggie Jackson is incredible using his left hand attacking the basket. Like, what's one attribute about something that everyone can incredibly underrates and what's the one thing everyone completely overrates or overlooks that's rather problematic i got what you're saying so going back to reggie jackson um he's we all know what he is on defense he's not the best right uh especially man to man he can get uh, kind of beat up uh, all the time um but one of my favorite things to do about writing is you know pointing out uh, you know a strategic type of move or uh you know what's this called it's 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 called boomerang and this is why it's called that um even though Reggie Jackson is a horrible, uh, you know, not horrible. I, sh- I, I take that back. He's not, he's a below average defender uh, and, and everybody's got jokes on it. Uh, anytime I need an example uh, of like um, a, a technique, like a stick arm technique type thing, he's always the guy that I look to because he's always doing the right thing. Uh, it's either just at the wrong time or too slow or, <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be. But uh, when it, whenever I need an example, he's definitely the go-to guy. So that's always fun. Yeah, I never um, would have pegged Re- uh, Reggie Jackson as technically sound. I mean, I, I know that he, he's very skilled. Um, and I know that uh, w- without ankle issues, he he's an incredible scorer. But I would never would have pegged him for inc- very technical it's it's the weirdest thing ever. Like he he makes smart rotations. He does it to you know he sees plays develop. Um, it's, it's just he does them well. It's just not enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully that rubs off on other players where he can point out things. So I mean, and maybe that's why you know the the there is the plus thirty rating with him on the floor with other guys is that maybe he can. I I, I can't quite tell just watching on TV with the horribly compressed video. Um, that cable companies use, and I'm gonna take a moment to dump on. I have 4K Netflix, guys. Step it up, please. Charter somebody, give me something where I can watch a game and actually see some real details, especially with what prices are. So hopefully, I mean, Jackson's out there chirping on the floor, keeping everybody uh, doing a good point guard things. And so that's the weird positive. That's also the slight negative. Uh, what's the one uh, highly overrated or completely overlooked thing that uh, everyone should be uh, aware of? Um, the most overrated thing, and, and again, I want to properly rate this because it is a big deal, or I should say it's a deal. I just don't know how big of a deal it is. Uh, and that's uh, Andre Drummond's energy level. Uh, everybody, everybody loves to bag on Andre Drummond, and I totally get it. There's 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 examples, uh, I was going to say millions, but maybe <laughs> thousands of examples of him, uh, you know, nodding off or zoning off. Um and I get it. That drives people crazy. Um, but it's not just an Andre Drummond thing, man. Every team has guys like this, and it's not unique to Detroit. Uh, it's unique. Uh, it, it's just it's not a unique thing. And I think stuff that he does, uh, whether it's either late on rotations or um, uh, you know just kind of nodding off or not being in the right position on a pick and roll, that's stuff that every big guy does. Uh, the ones that don't do that, um, the few, maybe the the, the Go Bears, and I'd say maybe that's it of the true big men uh, that I can think of offhand. Those are the guys that you know that do 
that don't make those mistakes, but 99% of the league does what Andre Drummond does. And I think it's just to a point where now it's overrated. It's a very long-winded saying um, of he, he's got faults, but so does everybody else. So, so we're saying he's not Gobert, which everyone can agree with, right. and, and probably maybe not. It wouldn't be fair either, especially with just how many times he gets uh, the uh, Joel Embiid is just living in his head, uh, and Embiid's another world defensive player too. But maybe yep. you know the guys like um, Clint Capella, and he's, in that next he's tier, and, and a prime it, DeAndre Jordan. You'd say that his we're just unfairly because maybe there's so much focus on him because before Drummond. And really, even still, I'm sorry, before Griffin, now even with him, he's supposed to be at that high tier level. And he, he's really, you know, he, he's a really good player, but it's not not all uh, because there's been so much attention paid on him, uh, right. put on him because we don't have anybody else that we're nitpicking too much compared to where he is with his contemporaries of high end big men. A hundred percent. I think. Uh... He, you know, people have high expectations, and they should. Uh, but at this point, I think we kind of know what he is. Uh, he's a sleepwalking, um, sleepwalking double double, or he's an all star. You, you, you had me scared there when he said sleepwalking. I'm, I, was, I was thinking that we just <laughs> went the other direction. Like he could not even try and get a double double. And I know if he tries, if he if he did all the stuff that people want him to do, he'd be great. Um, but you know, he is what he is at this point. We know it. We know where we're going to get. It, it's not going to get worse. It can only get better. I I hope so. I mean, I still... So I am mentioned this slightly earlier. I am one week younger than Drummond, and I still feel like I've got a couple years left in me to get better physically before things start, start to go to hell. Um, exactly. And so it I'm hoping has- Drummond's in the same way. I mean, there are some studies where I looked into this where um, some people have said that, you know, the value over replacement for big men is highly overrated. I mean, you, you can go get JaVale McGee. You can go get uh, an older DeAndre Jordan. You can go get a bunch of guys and play them Aaron Baines and just have a platoon at center. Uh, I definitely fall under a lot of, um, oh my goodness, and now I can't even remember his name. He's uh, the center for the Hawks. Um, just got paid $10 Dedman? million. Yep, Dwayne Dedman. There we go. You know, $10 million a year, you get a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Call that properly rated. Do you think that... Um, now, the one part here where Drummond goes against the, the means and the math and everything is that some uh, studies have said that the best rebounding year is the rookie year. And then, you know, you're never going to be quite as springy as you are when you're 18, 19, 20. However, Drummond's rebounding rate has been historically great in general. And then it's been consistently increased a little bit and then stayed consistent the last couple of seasons. So there's not been any decrease and only positive gains is rebounding a skill that's worth paying for? Yeah, I think absolutely it can be. Um, I think Drummond, and here's the thing with Andre too, as, as you mentioned, he's 25. Uh, you guys are in the same uh, age range. That must be nice. Um, but he's <laughs> so much of defense is, is uh, so much of defense is um, knowledge and, and, and recognition. And that just comes with experience. So to, to kind of like write him off as he's peaked. I, I think that's, and again, I get the jokes. I get the, I get all the perception stuff. Um, but to write him off as, as already peaked, I, that's way too premature. Well, I think we've covered everything we possibly can do for now, especially considering it's August and we're not even at <laughs> FIBA world cup, which Drummond is out of, which I'm okay with, but it, I, fine, I do find yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Detroit, uh, not Detroit. The United States is still going to win it. However, 
I, I don't know. I'm on the I'm on the get Carmelo on Team USA. Just just one more go around. Why not? You're gonna win it anyways, especially with you know 30 guys dropping off the team. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, Thaddeus Young or Carmelo, and Carmelo is gonna actually be positive on FIBA for some reason. That, yeah, I'm with you on that. You can talk me into that. Yeah, I think, you know, Greg Popovich, I mean, and, you know, the best Olympian gold medals for basketball. There we go. Um, but that is something that we don't need to worry about in Detroit because Carmelo should in no way be coming to Detroit unless we have a time machine to go back and swap him out for Darko. But besides that. And even then, uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. I think he would have been okay. I think I yeah, think with that squad, he would have been. Yeah, that, squ- that squad with Carmelo, we were talking multiple buckets. championships. Yeah, no, but, he gets buckets. I'm I'm on team Carmelo. Yeah, I'm on team younger Carmelo, definitely. So <laughs> So many tangents, I apologize, but I am scattered all over and that's before I've even gotten to my coffee yet. Thank you so much Mike for coming on today's show. I really appreciate the deep dives and the nuances. It's been really fun. Before I let you go, where can everybody find you online and uh, what do you have coming up uh, for everyone to check out? Uh, yeah, I'd say the best place to go uh, is Detroit Bad Boys. That's where all my stuff, uh, for the most part, will be at. Uh, as of right now, we do have a pretty big film series going on. Some new stuff uh, has been recently uh, left. Or, uh, uh, it was put out earlier this week, and it should be going out uh, throughout the week. Uh, it's all heavy, nerdy film stuff. So if you're into that kind of thing, I would definitely check it out. Uh, but Detroit Bad Boys, that's that's where you can find it. And where can everyone find you on Twitter? Oh, God, let me see if I can remember this. Uh, at M underscore James underscore Snyder. See, I knew I could remember it. There you go. All, always important to have. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute blast. I really appreciate you taking your time out of a Tuesday and talking basketball. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks a lot, John. And thank you so much to Mike Snyder again for coming on today's show. I had an absolute blast talking Pistons basketball. His insight was incredible. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. Sorry for being MIA the last couple of weeks. Some real world stuff came up with car issues and other stuff and, and work schedules. It's all getting taken care of now and it's been a little hectic, but I'm really enjoying jumping back into this. Next week we'll have small forwards. I promise next week we will actually have small forwards on the docket. Not quite lined up with the guests, but you're going to love whoever it is, whether it's one of our usuals or maybe somebody new. Maybe it's you. If you want to come on the show, you can always share feedback with us, too. You can follow us. Please follow and like us at The Three Point on Facebook. That's three spelled out. Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show through Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and we're now on Spotify as well. So please check us out there. $20 gift card winner is going to be announced right after this podcast is live and then after that we've got another $20 gift card winner being announced sorry for the delay on that but uh technical details have been figured out and ironed out another $20 gift card is going up for the month of august so please you know all you have to do to be entered in that is like and retweet or you know like and share on facebook and then that gets you entered into the drawing we're going to be doing this instead of spending me um spending $20 a month on advertising why not give it just straight to you guys if that's what it's getting spent on anyways? So thank you so much for listening. Hope you had an absolute blast talking another episode of Detroit Pistons basketball. And I will talk to you next time.